Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, welcome to the start of a new week at Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations, we're glad to be coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook, the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Dot com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, we want to hear from you, your reactions to the weekend. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, or the best in business IT solutions, they've got you covered at C Spire. Learn more online at cspire.com. The way we start every Monday show during football season, we go through everything that happened over the weekend as fast as we possibly can. We call it the Blitz. Ohio. Ohio University, not Ohio State, gets a 10-7 win over Iowa State. Tough times for Matt Campbell and the Hawkeyes. uh... As he was exiting the field, an Iowa State fan said, You're on the hot seat, coach. And he turned around and wanted to fight the guy. So, ugh. Probably should Always uh, take the good jobs when they come to you. Just just go ahead and take the big job. Ohio U now 3-1 and one on the year. Uh, Louisville jumped out to a fast start against Indiana. They had a 21 to nothing halftime lead. 14 third-quarter points for Indiana. And a goal line stand from Louisville late, 21-14. The Cards go to 3-0 on the year for Indiana, 1-2. and uh, Did anybody see this one coming? Florida State, 31-29 over Boston College. Boston College scored 13 fourth-quarter points to really tighten this game up. It was the Red Bandana game. Wells Crowther's story is an incredible one. Boston College played inspired football. Florida State avoids disaster and goes to 3-0. and You see who's on the schedule next week? Or this week, I should say, for Florida State. Who is it this week? Clemson. In Clemson. Clemson. So uh, a little case of the look-aheads for the Knowles. What a game in Columbia, Missouri. 
Kansas State probably should have won this game, but they did not. As Mr. Mevis, Harrison Mevis, sets a new SEC record with a 61-yard field goal to walk it off in Como 30-27. to Despite the win, Eli Drinkwitz kind of big mad at Mizzou fans after the game. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later. He should be mad at himself. He's so lucky he's got the best kicker in America because egregious coaching mistake. Brady Cook I, did throw I guess that 56-yard... I guess that 56-yard field goal won't be the longest one this year. Sources say, according to sources. Yeah. <laughs> we were uh, so confident. Brady Cook kicked, uh, did throw for 356 yards and two touchdowns in the win. Penn State rolls on. They beat Illinois 30-13. Tough day throwing the football for Luke Altmyer. In fact, tough day hanging on to the football for Illinois. That was a turnover fest. Notre Dame wins 41-17 over Central Michigan. Sam Hartman stays great. 16-26, 330, three touchdown passes. Estimate pretty good. That is a balanced offense. Buck 76 on the ground for him. Big one coming up this week for Notre Dame with Ohio State rolling into town. Speaking of rolling, the Duke Blue Devils, they are now 3-0 after a 38-14 win over Northwestern who began a new streak on Saturday of losing games on American soil. All I got was a half-hearted chuckle from you there, hey, Dad. Tough Monday. It's still funny. Uh, Oklahoma wins 66-17 over Tulsa. That was a road game for the Sooners, though not really, because Oklahoma fans took over Tulsa's stadium. Dylan Gabriel threw for five touchdown passes and 421 yards in the win. Um, Tampa, Florida, Bama 17, South Florida 3. Here's your scoring summary. South Florida field goal, mid-first quarter. Alabama field goal, late second quarter. Alabama touchdown, late third quarter. Alabama touchdown, 33 seconds left. 17-3 to sounds worse than it was. It was bad yeah. for the tide. Uh, worse. Than, than this, worse than the score would even lead you to believe. Although, there's a lot of confidence around here, and we'll get to that later in the week. Alabama still has some dudes in the front six on defense, though. Georgia beat South Carolina 24-14. They trailed 7-3 after the first quarter. They trailed 14-3 at the half, and then they remembered they were Georgia and outscored South Carolina 21-0 in the second half of that ball game. Drake May and North Carolina roll on 31-13. The Tar Heels, a winner over the Row the Boat Minnesota Golden Gophers. Texas A&M, 47-3 over ULM. That one had a weather delay. Kind of pedestrian numbers for Wegman against a team like ULM. 25 of 29. Completion percentage was good. 337, but just one touchdown. Tulane goes to Hattiesburg, and they win 21-3. We will uh, get more into that ball game. The only points for Southern Miss coming on a field goal in the third quarter. Ohio State, uh-oh, are the Buckeyes starting to figure it out? 63-10. to They roll over Western Kentucky. Kyle McCord throws for 318 yards and three touchdowns in the victory. Marvin Harrison ran like 23 miles an hour on a, on a go route where uh, it's shocking how fast he is. It looks like in the highlight they sped him up. That's how fast he is. He's pretty good. You know who else is pretty good? Michael Penix Jr. 
Washington 41-7 in East Lansing over Michigan State. Penix, 473 yards and four touchdowns. Quick snapshot of his season. He's completing 74% of his passes. In three games, he's thrown for 1,332 yards, 12 touchdowns, and one interception. His numbers almost identical to those of Caleb Williams at Southern Cal. Auburn gets it done, 45-13 at home over Sanford. Peyton Thorne threw for 282 and rushed for 123. If he had gotten to 300 yards, he would have been the first Auburn quarterback in history to throw for 300 and rush for 100. Sad times wow. in Stillwater. Yeah, how about that? I would have thought Cam would have had a game like that. That's surprising. There you go. South Alabama 33-7 to over Oklahoma State. And the 7 for the uh, the Cowpokes came in the fourth quarter. The game was 33 to nothing. Did Mike... Gundy wear shorts? <laughs> mm. Well, uh, you think he regrets running off <laughs> like his entire offense from last season yet, or...? Is that still a good decision? Eh, maybe. Yeah. UNLV, 40. Vanderbilt, 37. Tough loss for the doors. Sledding's about to get tough for the Commodores. Florida played bully ball, and that's exactly what they did. They bullied the Tennessee Volunteers 29-16. to Got some numbers for you from that game. Coming up a little bit later. Syracuse 35 to 20 over Purdue. The Orange are now 3 and 0 and their quarterback Garrett Schrader threw for 184 yards, but how about this? 25 carries for 195 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Entertaining game in Fayetteville as BYU with a fourth quarter touchdown and a defensive stand at the end to win 38-31 over Arkansas. Rocket Sanders did not play. K.J. Jefferson sacked four times, and Sam Pittman admitted today that he was a little banged up going into that ball game. Uh, Kentucky moves to 3-0 and with a 35-3 win over Akron. West Virginia in the backyard brawl. Country roads take me home. 17-6 over the sad Narduzzi's. Texas, it was tight for a while. I mean, really tight. Like 10-10 going to the fourth quarter. Longhorns woke up in the fourth, scored 21 points, nearly covered. They went at 31 to 10. Oregon 55 to 10 over Hawaii. TCU's won two in a row since losing the opener to Colorado, 36-13 over Houston. Ain't Holgerson may be in trouble. Tough one for Jackson State. Texas State beat them 77 to 34. Maybe the game of the day, 43-35. The Buffaloes somehow survive. Colorado over Colorado State in the Rocky Mountain Showtime a showdown in double overtime. It may be coming for Kenny Dillingham, but it's not there yet. Fresno beat him 29 to nothing, and that is your blitz. Woo! What a weekend. What a weekend. And it was supposed to be a dud, right? Uh capped off by It's almost like uh-huh. um, there's no such thing really as happens. a bad weekend uh, you of know, college football. I thought the broad the broadcast for Colorado Colorado State was bizarre. It was bizarre. I mean, they, they talk. I thought Mark Jones was having a good time. Uh, yeah, and it was a football game, guys. It's a football game, and they they treated it like it was something not a football game. 
bizarre. You had the sideline reporter trying to yeah. argue with Colorado State's coach about the, the game. The whole thing was weird. Game was entertaining as all could be, though. A game that was slightly less entertaining, if maroon and white are your favorite colors, is what kicked off your college football Saturday. We will begin to do a post-mortem on State and LSU when we come back. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. I had something happen today that I really needed to have happen in June or July or even August. Because we really don't have time to talk about it. But I feel like we need to talk about it because I was convinced earlier today that I might have been going to jail. That would have been funny, depending on the charges, anyway. I got a phone call. I've got a a phone call from a Moss Point (laughs) number with. um, Let me give you the real Cliff Notes version because I actually think I've still got the number and I think we need to call it on the air. Uh, got a phone call from a Moss Point number for a guy that um, represented himself as Sergeant Somebody or Other with the Lafayette County Sheriff's Department. And shortly into the call, I interrupted him. I was like, are you calling me from your cell phone? He's like, yes, but we can uh, we can actually automate this through the Sheriff's Department if, if that would make you feel more comfortable. Like, yeah, I think so. So he puts me on hold, and I get a call that beeps in that's from the Sheriff's Department. And he proceeds to talk to me about there being an outstanding warrant for my arrest because I did not appear for a summons to be on a grand jury. And this judge that he called by name had issued issued two warrants for my arrest. And and it's kind of sounded a little fishy. And I'm like, um, yeah, I never received a summons at all. And uh, he's like, well, be that as it may, there's a warrant out for your arrest. And you can either turn yourself in at the Lafayette County Sheriff's Department or you can bond out and not have to. He's like, but if, if you step foot on government property in Lafayette County, then you can be arrested. And, you know, you'll be booked into jail. And I said, I kind of feel like I need to get my attorney involved in this. He said, so you're selecting option A. I said, no, I didn't make a selection of any kind. Um, and I said, I tell you what, hang on just a second. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can get my attorney to answer. I'm going to try and conference him into this call. It goes dead. Oh. I called the sheriff's department, and they're like, that sounds like a scam. And then they transferred me to some. So the whole thing is a scam. And I think what he was mm-hmm. working toward was he was trying to convince me to pay my bond or bail or whatever via credit card over the phone, I guess. I guess that's ultimately what was trying to happen. But I've still got the number, and I think later on today, if we get just a little lull of the conversation, we need to call this guy and see if he will answer the phone as Sergeant So-and-so from the Sheriff's Department, because then we will have him on record as impersonating a, a law officer, which I think is a felony. I Do you think. remember what he said his name was? Nah, it's James something or John something or other. So when we go on there, we're going to be like, is this Sergeant with the Lafayette County Police Department? No, 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 no. I'm going to call back and be like, hey, it's, this, is, uh, this is Donald Cross. I'm sorry I'm just getting back to you. I want to take care of that bond situation we were talking about the other day. Ah, 
I got you. I got you. But but when I called him back and he answered, he answered the phone as this is Sergeant whatever his name was. Anyway. I got you. I got you. Maybe if you're a state fan, you're just like, hey, that's fine. Just keep telling that story. We don't have to re rehash. Thomas at Greenwood says, screw it. Do it now. That'll be more interesting than the state loss. Borky, you want to try and call him up real quick? Yeah. Just see what happens? Uh, sure. Here you go. Here's the number. Uh, will you text it to me? It'd just be easier nope, that way. Nope, nope. I'm going to read it to you on the air. Oh. Okay. And, and by the way, if you want to jot it down and call this guy, feel free. 228-356-0956. All right, can we patch it through where we hear ringing and the whole deal? You should hear it now. There you go. There we go. All right. No way. Leave a message after the beep. Yeah, hey, this is Donald Cross. I was calling back to um, uh, to clear up the bail situation you called about earlier. I really don't want to be arrested. Um, you can uh, give us a call at 601, or give me a call at 601 601- 957-1700. Again, 601-957-1700. Want to get this cleared up as quickly as I can. If you could call me back as soon as possible, I would appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. We'll see if the phone rings. And that's not Richard's phone number, by the way, guys. That, that's not his phone number, so don't save it yeah. and send it uh, anything. No. no, that's... Bates in the water. Let's we'll see if he'll take it. Th- that calls me, so... Mm. Yeah, very good. That's Don't not my number either. either. That just oh, calls shoot, me I, where I'm sitting. That was the. That was like the. Oh, does that ring where you are? It should. Okay. Okay. That's like Telesouth's main number. Oh, then no. Oh, I really messed up then. Oh no, poor Angie. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> Angie's gonna get a call. So confused here. Um, yeah. he's in Oxford. That's all she's gonna say. Yeah. Somebody said, "Don't he's give that call number you out over the." Um, don't share that number. The scammer probably spoofed someone else's phone number. They do yeah. do that. They, they do overtake. Yeah. Um, well, look, I have the Oxford Sheriff Department's number, Lafayette County Sheriff Department's number saved in my phone, and when he called me back, it popped up as Sheriff's Department. Oh, wow. So, so he somehow co-opted the Lafayette County Sheriff's Department number, and I, I don't know how that works. Anyway. All right. Tony so, Iberville said, what's the number you just called on air? Uh-huh. It's the uh, it's the number for a scammer on the uh, coast, I suppose. Uh, I'm sorry. I, look, I know that's not for today, but I just I had to tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think Brian Kelly gave a heads up to the car dealership that they stopped at and do stretches, or did, like... You know, Johnny just show up to work and like, oh, there's the LSU football team right here. Surely they did some pre-planning and gave a call and be like, hey, would it be okay if we stopped and stretched in your parking lot? I guess. You know, people are making fun of them for that. I actually thought it was kind of savvy. If you're an hour drive away and you've got, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, what you got? Uh-oh, hold you on. Try you got, yeah, uh, hold on. Try it. Reel them in. Reel them in. 
Hello? Hello? Yeah, I contacted you earlier today, Mr. Cross. Did you receive my phone call? Was this about the jury summons? That is correct, sir. Okay, yeah, we need to get this taken care of. I, man, I can't have this hanging out. Like, I, I'm kind of a like semi-public official, and I'm afraid this would kind of be embarrassing if it if it turned into a public deal. Well, wait a minute. Let me go ahead and explain something. If you did not receive the proper notification, you're not going to be punished, penalized, or fined, sir. I just need to know if you received it or not. That is the only reason why we're contacting you. I, I thought you said I needed to post bail or bond or something to get out of it. Well, you got to post bond, sir, but you got to realize if you never received the proper notification, you can't be held liable, punished, or penalized. Okay. So do and I just pay, do pay, I pay the bond to you? Excuse me? Do I just pay the bond directly to you? Well, no, you're not going to pay one red cent over the phone, sir. That's illegal. And, um, and to be quite honest with you, in regards to your payment, you're going to come down to the department and get your matters rectified, okay? Okay. What, what was your name again? I, I, I'm having trouble remembering. My name is Deputy Jeff Rackins. You probably spoke to one of my previous deputies. He's left. He's out on the field training exercise. So in regards to me getting you down here today, I'm going to go ahead and make sure that we get you in and out the door without you being detained. All right. And, and now, Deputy Rafkin, you're with, well, are you with the Lafayette County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Rafkin? That is correct. Now, in regards to you, can you please give me your full legal name so I can go ahead and get your caseload pulled up? And you are hey, John, correct? Do you do you ever listen to Super Talk Mississippi? What did you say, Ronald? Are are, are you familiar with Super Talk Mississippi, the statewide radio network? Well, I haven't I haven't really listened to that network, but if you are a um, a broadcaster just, on that just, network. Yeah, I, I was just curious if you realized that you just lied to the entire state of Mississippi about being a law enforcement official, which I think is a felony. He hung up. <laughs> oh, wow. The day. Man. That's the, that's the exact same scheme as earlier today. You know, it's kind of convincing. Me, it's, Dude, I'm interested in like, where is he getting your money? Because if, he, if he, he's going to tell you to go up to the... Sheriff's Department, like, where is he getting your money at? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know. So, listen, this is a public service if you are listening right now. If you get a phone call like this, it is a scam. I'm going to be honest with you. I. It took me a couple of minutes of talking to the guy, the guy this morning before I realized, hmm, this is kind of fishy. Yeah, And then it kind of went sideways when I told I, – I said, I'll get my attorney on this call. And he said, you don't have to have an attorney. You can represent yourself. And I said, well, my attorney went to law school, and I didn't. So I think it would make sense for him to be on. And that's when he hung up last time. Let's talk Mississippi State and uh, LSU coming up to? next. Are we sure? It's big. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi.
It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. By the way, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Um, certainly thankful to our real law enforcement officers all across the state of Mississippi, a number of whom have told me um, or you guys in different scenarios that they listen to the show on a regular basis. Uh, maybe amused, maybe concerned, I, I don't know. But we'll, we'll see where it goes uh, from here. I, I think Borky decided that we should distribute that uh, that clip via the social medias and, uh, and, yeah. and kind of yes. let it be a full-on PSA for uh, for folks that are out there. Because as Haydad said during the break, there are people, and that guy was convincing. He really was. Yeah. There are people that will well, buy what that. I sa- what I said during the break was like, that guy would have my mom's information in about 10 seconds. I mean, I just I know my mom well enough that she's an old not, she's an old lady. She just had her seventy seventh birthday on Friday, and she would she would give up her information, and then she'd call me later and be like, "Was I supposed to do that?" And I, I would have to tell her no. Like, no, no, you're, mom, you're about to be in trouble. Probably would have not been great. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with uh, with you this afternoon. So let's dive in. Mississippi State and LSU. Uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, if we're just being honest, it, it was it was pretty bad on uh, on Saturday, yeah. and it was from the from the outset. Um, LSU. Oh, oh no! First really play, good. they got they got a first down. Come on. Yes, yes. Twelve yard <laughs> game, quick pass, first yeah. play of the game. And then was it run pass pass or was it pass run pass after that? Uh, run pass next? pass. Yeah. The. Um, the the run on first and ten from the what thirty seven I guess it was went nowhere mm-hmm. and then it was incomplete yeah. pass incomplete pass punt and it was pretty much over after that yeah yeah uh, state as you mentioned on the first play of the game twelve yards and then uh, when they got to three minutes to go in the uh, second quarter they had negative five yards and that is that is not what you want at all it just just I'll, I'll I'll be I won't say the curse word I won't make Borky sweat but they got their butt kicked in every facet of the game offensively and defensively. Uh, Jaden Daniels is an outstanding quarterback. Do not get me wrong. Malik Neighbors is a very good, very good receiver. Ooh, Malik Neighbors, wow. but they they are not thirty of thirty four for three hundred plus yards. They are not fifteen catches for two hundred and thirty nine yards. Good. They're they're very good. They're just not that good. So, hey, did that, State did that happen just, to break Kayshawn Butte's record that he set against Ole Miss? It did not. I, I looked it up. Okay. That's three oh eight. If I tell you, though, I, I give you, I'll give you some some cheer here. That's to tell you that if they had wanted to break that record, they could have without really trying very hard. Uh, Daniels had a couple of passes that he could he could have just ran down the field and handed him the ball, and it wouldn't have been any more accurate than the throws were. Uh, state secondary got torched in every possible way. They couldn't. They were the perfect combination of can't rush the passer and can't get any coverage. And then offensively, literally everything they did did didn't work. LSU brought pressure. State had no answer for it. Uh, Will Rogers played his worst game as a college football player. Nothing went Mississippi State's way. LSU was very good. State was very bad, and that's when you got that train wreck of a performance that you did on Saturday. And, and look here. Coming out of game day, going into kickoff, it looked good and it sounded good. I mean, they tossed from Boulder, Colorado, where Lee Corso has just put on the headgear for the 400th time, 
and The Rock has done his thing, and like there's all this jazz, and then it's just cowbells. And I, when I tell you Joe Tessitore gushed over Stark Vegas and cowbells, I am not using a descriptive enough word to describe the adulation with which he described the environment that was Davis Wade Stadium. Borky, am I exaggerating? No, uh, although I like Joe Tessitore. When it's the third quarter and a blowout, a pass over the middle that's completed is not like home run in Game 7 of the World Series. Like You you can bring the tone down a little bit sometimes, Joe. Just a little. Every once in a while. you know. Um, and, and so the stage was set. And State gets the ball first, and they get that first completion, and the place is going nuts, and then it just collapsed. And, yeah. and so look, let, let, let's do a couple of numbers but the fact is, dissecting this game in itself, I don't think does us any good. But there are right. questions three games into a new era at Mississippi State that now have to be asked. And not only have to be asked, but have to be answered. Getting the answer is harder than answering the question, asking the questions. Woody Marks carried it eight times for 75 yards. That's an average of 9.4 per carry. Will Rogers was 11 of 28 for 103 yards with no touchdowns. He was not intercepted. Mike Wright threw one pass. He completed it in the end zone for a touchdown. Tulu Griffin had four catches for 16 yards. Xavier Thomas had three catches for 52. Justin Robinson, two for 23. Seth Davis had a catch. Antonio Harmon had a catch. Woody Marks had a catch. That's it. The best thing that happened in the game for Mississippi State was Tula Griffin's kick return. 39 yards. Mm-hmm. He actually had a couple of pretty good returns that gave State some decent field position. He did. You're going to get Such that. a weapon. Such a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, Mississippi State punted seven times in the game. LSU punted twice. Now, here are a few numbers from LSU. Jalen Daniels leading rusher at 64 yards. LSU didn't have the running back thing figured out yet. Diggs was pretty good, 9 for 41. Caleb Jackson, 5 for 19. Josh Williams, 4 for 17. Noah Kane, 3 for 15. John Emery, 3 for 7. They had 163 yards on the ground, but only 100 of it goes to running backs. Right. Jaden Daniels through the air, 30 of 34, 361, two touchdowns. No interceptions. Malik Neighbors, 13 catches. 13 catches on Mm -hmm. 13 targets. Yeah. For 239 and two touchdowns. And I mean, not the same level, Richard, but you played quarterback. It's tough to go 30 of 34 in a skeleton drill. It is. It's tough to go when you're just playing seven on seven. It's tough when you're just throwing to your, without a defense. It's tough to just keep your passes that accurate. I understand that we're not talking about quite the same thing, but if you and I stood out in the the side yard of the studio and we threw the football, mm-hmm. we would have and, and and we made thirty four passes between the two of us. More than mm-hmm. four of them would hit the ground. Yes, just tossing. He the was ball. incredible, and it was. And I mean, a couple of deep throws to neighbors that were just. I mean, pinpoint act drop in the bucket accuracy. It was every level. That, that's what was so impressive. I mean, he was really good at the short stuff, you know, finding a small window. And I mean, there were a couple of times where, where neighbors was covered. 
and just threw an accurate football and he caught the ball. And then there were other times yeah. where um, he was wide open. Yeah. yeah. Chase and Columbus, I, I guess this is in reference to the Arizona game. And, and I think his point is, I'm not sure if there are four. Here's what he says. I'm not sure if there are four more games on the schedule you feel good about to get to six wins if you just based it on what we've seen through three weeks. He said you can win against Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, et cetera, but you don't feel good about counting any of them as wins. And then he says Mississippi State got five turnovers in a game that came down to a fortunate location of a downed elbow in order not to have two losses at this moment. They play poorly back-to-back weekends. There's, there's no getting around that fact at all. Um, you know, and if it was just, if it was just the LSU game, right? Somebody pointed this out to me. If State had just handled Arizona, they just won thirty-five to ten, right? You just say, okay, well, State got beat bad by LSU. What's new? Happens every almost every year. But it's the two weekends in a row. Offensively, you look completely out of sync. You have no identity on either side of the ball. You know. Just you have to say it out loud. The early returns on our net are not promising because two weeks in a row, as as you pointed out in a text to me Saturday night, he's had to stand at the podium and say that he basically they had a bad game plan. Two weeks ago, he was able to you know his players were more talented than his opposition, and they were able to overcome that. This week against LSU, when you have less talent and you have a bad game plan, you cannot win the football game. It is impossible to win with a bad plan and less talent. Not You can't do it. And that's what happened to Mississippi State on Saturday. This was the question I texted you on Saturday night. It was about an hour before my game kicked off. Serious question. So you want a coach to take the blame and not throw players under a bus. But how many times can he claim bad plan, I didn't prepare them well enough, etc., before this fan base turns on him? I would say two. And your response was tune in Monday to find out. Thanks. The answer is uh, the answer. The answer is two, Richard. He's gotten away with it twice. If he if they lose to South Carolina on Saturday and he comes out and says we just didn't have the right game plan, people are going to say, well, then you shouldn't be in charge of making the game plan. Yeah, and that would be a fair response. A very fair response. It would be. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back with you after this. Super Talk Mississippi. Check the stars. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi with you. 
to be part of the conversation. You can join us, as many of you have already this afternoon, on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. The tone of a lot of these messages is kind of what you would expect. Um, the Mississippi State head coach is over his head. I think he has the best of intentions and love for Mississippi State, athletes, students, and alums, but without the necessary KSAs. I will admit that I had to Google what the acronym KSA was, Knowledge, Skills, and Abilities. Um, <laughs> there are multiple comparisons that we're getting to Matt Luke. said some of his facial expressions on the sideline were Matt Luke's from a year ago. So another message says, Arnett is to state what Luke was to Ole Miss. Maybe the only difference was Matt Luke had interviewed for some head coaching jobs. And if he had not gotten that Ole Miss job, he would now he would not have gotten an SEC job. But he was on the on the verge of getting an opportunity in the Sun Belt at a place like Troy. Something along those lines. But there are similarities. South Carolina will beat State by 20 points. I've never seen Mississippi State with no pass rush, ever. There were plays with two extra rushers, and Daniels could have still ordered a po' boy from Obie's. That's from Chase at Columbia, or in Columbus. Good po' boys there. Mm-hmm. And then here's another one. In totality, going back to the Egg Bowl last year, is it an overreaction for state fans to feel like we are on the edge of returning to the dark ages of Mississippi State football? Who would have ever thought that a loss to LSU, a team that's beaten state 28 out of the last 32 years, would, would set people off? Is, who did who predict? Who are these people that predicted state to win this game beforehand that have changed? I, I get that it's the way it looked. I really do. I understand that. But state's 2-1. and one which is exactly where most people had them predicted. Hell, I have them predicted to be 2-3 and three after the next two games and still had them finishing 8-4. and four. I understand it's a, a function of how the team has looked these first couple of games. I get that. But, my gosh, everybody's willing to jump off the, uh, the ledge here because State lost to LSU, who will probably win the West and have a chance to beat Georgia to win the SEC and go play in the playoff. Maybe some overreaction in there somewhere. Yeah, they've played, are, are they played terrible. Your, they were, they were, are you sticking state, with your eight-win prediction? Well, I mean, I'll just put it this way. If I, if I changed one, it would be the Egg Bowl. Because Ole Miss has looked, pretty, has looked pretty good. I still think Ole Miss has a lot of issues defensively. But if you made me change a game, yeah, for sure. But I, mean, I thought they was going to beat Arkansas. Well, what, have I, what, what did I see that made me change that? Arkansas doesn't look very good. A&M looks – I have that as a loss – but AM looks worse than I thought. I want to see how they look. Auburn can't move the football on anybody. So why would I change that? Kentucky hasn't been particularly. The conference as a whole isn't very good. So, I mean, yes, yeah, states played poorly, but if they play well, they can beat anybody. They just got to find a way to play well. Now, that's the question. Are they going to do that? I don't know the answer to that. We shouldn't pretend for a second, like, this coaching staff is not putting in the necessary hours to, to get ready, right? I mean, they are 
They are building sure. game plans in the same way that every people, other coach. They're they're showing up early and they're staying yes. late and they're watching yes. film and they're people, putting together people what think they when think a coach is a good plan. They people think coaches that when they lose a game, they spent the previous week like working ten to two, and you know they were at the bar the rest of the time. I mean. They're working hard. It just doesn't work out sometimes. I, I said this on the sh- on the podcast yesterday, and but, this is the truth. When you have a loss like this, people just want the coach to walk into the press conference and go, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I quit. I'm obviously not good enough to do this. I'm not smart enough. I'll quit. Good luck to the next guy. Can't do that. One thing that, that's curious, and you, you can't help but link – the previous staff to this staff. Mike Leach prepared in a different way for games mm-hmm. than Lane Kiffin's staff at Ole Miss prepares, than Sam Pittman's staff prepares, than Nick Saban's staff prepares. Because it was his offense, and he, now they watched film, and they, but, but he kept weird hours. I can't help but wonder... And, like, this is a genuine question. This is not a critique or a criticism. I can't help but wonder if Zach Arnett running the defense and, and kind of being an, on an island without much interference did not prepare him for the way that you, most coaches, run an entire program and run an entire team. And then he goes out and hires an offensive coordinator who he has told us he has given the same autonomy that was given to him without knowing how Kevin Barbet goes about preparing and putting together an offensive game plan. And I don't know the answer to that question, but that's not how it works most places. We'll be back. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi game will be live in New Albany to kick off the 2023 Tallahassee River Festival on Wednesday. Tallahassee River Festival is presented by BNA Bank, Baptist Memorial Hospital, and Renaissance Bank. For more info, visit NewAlbanyMainStreet.com. This project is partially funded by a grant through Visit Mississippi. That's coming up on Wednesday. Starts at 6 in the morning and goes until 6 at night. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. That's dancingrabbitgolf.com for your tee times. And uh ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Is Hey Dad not connected, Borky? No, I'm connected. Oh. I heard you talking about it ends at 6 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. Does it? Does it end at 6 on Wednesday for us? Is that when it ends on Wednesday? It ends at 6? Are you staying? Some of us will be there till 7. 
Okay, I didn't know you were doing the. Um, the, the I don't think I can drive from show live from uh, from New Albany. My my bad. I I didn't. I don't think I can drive from New Albany to Starkville in six minutes. But if I can, I'll figure that out. And you know, I have my plutonium core in my car. The ceasefire uh, text line is open at 601-879-4395. If there was a way for you to offer a tissue through the text line to Brian Haydad for all that crying, I would uh, I would allow that to happen. But I don't know how to make that happen. Uh, connect and protect. That's the plan from ceasefire that you want if you've got kids. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. It's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. So let's stick with the Mississippi State conversation. We'll push winners and losers back uh, a segment. So, hey, Dad, I, I kind of threw out a, a big-ish statement before the break. It's and not a statement. I mean, it's it's g- genuinely a question in, in terms of Zach Arnett's readiness for the opportunity to be a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. There are only 14 of these jobs. And mm-hmm. he is one of the youngest coaches in America. He is... Five or six years removed from being a position coach in the Mountain West. He did a phenomenal job for three years with the defense as the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. He was wanted, right? I mean, Syracuse had hired him, mm-hmm. and after eight days he changed his mind and decided to come to the SEC. But mm-hmm. in terms of head coaching experience, there was none. And in terms of coordinating the entire side of the ball, there was three years. And it's a really, really big opportunity. And, and, and so we were talking about game plan. And, and for for the record, I really like Zach Arnett. He's been great to us. It, and and he's likable. And his he did all the right things in the offseason leading up to, you know, said all the right things, struck the right chord with Mississippi State fans, blue-collar guy, no-nonsense, hard worker, wants desperately to win. But I don't know that any of that matters. Ultimately, it's about do you have the ability to put your football team in the best position to win games on Saturdays? It's one loss. To your point a second ago, to a really good LSU team, a really talented LSU team to fall to two and one. Right. And so maybe we're overreacting. I say, was Zach Arnett the right choice? So... I mean, first off, when you say that, you know, he didn't have any experience, he didn't have much experience doing, you know, coordinating. I agree with that. But, I mean, State has hired non-head coach coaches before. Dan Mullen was one. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, so that that's not that's not the, the issue here, I don't think. But he you know, had been I, a coordinator think, at the highest level of college football yeah. for an extended period of time while working under a national championship winning head coach. Yeah. No, there's no question. I mean, and not that working under Leach isn't great, but as you stated earlier, you know, we worked under Leach the same way that, you know, I mean, I don't work under you, but it's like we don't control each other, right? Like you do your stuff and I do my stuff, but then we come together on the show and make this product. And that's what he had. He's like, I, I mean, you can learn from how Leach ran his program, but he wasn't in meetings every day with Leach because he was running the defense. Um, so, I mean... I think yeah, it's it's probably fair to expect some growing pains. And I, honestly, I thought my eight and four prediction reflected that because if Mike Leach were here, 
And if Mike Leach were still the head coach, I probably would have gone out and said 10-2 and two, based on what State was bringing back and with Will Rogers in the air raid. I thought 8-4 and four was like, all right, yeah, they'll, they'll lose a couple of games that they probably shouldn't lose. A&M is a game that I think Mike Leach would find a way to win. South Carolina is a game I think Mike Leach would find a way to win. Maybe the growing pains are going to be a little bit, little bit longer. But gosh almighty, first off, two things. Two things that bothered me this weekend. People already handing Arnett his walking papers. Let, I mean, let's get through the season. Let's at least see, at least see where that takes us. But secondly, this stupid narrative going around that state should have hired Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was hired at Colorado while Mike Leach was still alive. And yet you got people out there tweeting, oh, they should have hired Deion. What? So that bothered me a lot this weekend. But I understand the frustration. Trust me, I get it. And, you know, I didn't see a team that on Saturday that can continue to play like that and hope to win more than one more ball game. That team that we saw Saturday, they'd lose to USM. They'd find, they would find a way to do it. But to just, I mean, they're going to play a one and two South Carolina team whose season kind of also hangs in the brink this week. Play the game. Let's, let's, let's get through the first month of the season before we decide, ah, this didn't work. We got to start from, from scratch here. Even I, the most negative guy in the world, is saying, yeah, let's calm down a bit here. Somebody says the Dion comment is revisionist history at its finest. By the way, there are a lot of people that have non-buyers remorse on Deion Sanders. A lot. Yeah. Auburn is one, for sure. They had that opportunity to hire Deion Sanders and didn't. But, Mike, on December the 8th, when he was announced as the head coach of uh, of Colorado, Mike Leach was still alive and well. So what about the quarterback spot? That, that's the thing. We, we've gotten a lot of texts about Barbet and I think the jury's still out on him. But poor quarterback play is not new to this season. It's carryover from the end of last season as well. Mississippi State won eight games in the regular season. At the end, anyway, on defense. You want to know why they beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl? They defended like like hell. They, they made Ole Miss's offensive line a nightmare for four quarters. That's why they won the Egg Bowl. And so, uh, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, they're, they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Rodgers is an air raid guy, and, and it, it, Arnett should have hired an air raid guy, and it would have worked. And my response is, would it have? Are you sure? Because it wasn't working at the end of last year. Don't confuse a high volume of yards with effective play at the most important position on the field. And I know... On Saturday, Mississippi State up front was getting dominated by LSU. It's hard. Arnett was right after the game when he said it's hard to play quarterback when you got guys in your face the whole time. But when you don't, and you've got these little 10-yard out routes that you're throwing into the third row of LSU's bench, you've got problems. And they're playing South Carolina this weekend. Spencer Rattler... For three games, honestly, even including against Furman, has dealt with offensive line issues. North Carolina killed him up front, and so did Georgia. But he played well. He elevated the team around him. He stayed in, and he made throws, and he made plays. And unfortunately for Mississippi State, you can't say the same thing. You've got a veteran quarterback 
that looked uncomfortable attempting to make routine throws, whether it was fear of pressure or or whatever, but there there's a chance that you might just not be good enough at the most important position on the field. Look at what an Alabama offense looks like when they're not getting good quarterback play. That is freaking Alabama. A South Florida team that was 1-11 last year. And one of those touchdowns came with, what, 10 seconds left in the game? I mean, as- By the way, three of the best players or two of the best players from South Florida's team for a year ago are now starters at Colorado. So, uh, it's an all-encompassing thing when you lose as bad as they did on Saturday. But th- that that's not new at that spot. It's a carryover. That doesn't mean that the book is written and you close it and wrap it in your your leather thing and put it away. But this isn't new, and it, it honestly it shouldn't surprise anybody. And and so much of the conversation is about the offense, right? Kevin Barbet and the offense and the offense. Mississippi State's defense hasn't been very good the last two weeks. No, it, no, it, it has it, not. It, if you want to use the caveat of, well, it was LSU, that's fine. But if you go back to that Arizona game, gave up a lot of big plays in that game to an Arizona team that's good, but certainly not great. We're back right after this. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. We've got so much to get to this afternoon. I keep just debating. Do we do we just punt winners and losers all together? Or do we just like try and do an abbreviated version? What, what do we do? Hey, Dad, you look like you have a, a, an opinion on this. Well, no, I'm just having a debate here on the text line. I think we should punt winners and losers. Okay. Mine was Billy Napier. That was my winner. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Mine was going to be Corso. 400 headgear, man. I was going to go. I was going to go college game day for the best show that they've done since ooh, maybe when they went to the Grove in 2014. I'm sure I'm probably forgetting some along the way that were really good. But All right, there we go. To, to score the rock and have it be a complete yeah. surprise. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um. Let's read some text messages. So many of you have have contributed to the conversation. It's just hard to work so many of them in. Um, State's defense really never had time to catch a breath. There were a lot of three and outs. Probably contributed. They did get scored on quickly and rather efficiently, though. Brian and Tupelo, one game plan defensively against State, blitz, twist, and stunt all you want because you are not going to be hurt by a pocket escape nor a big-time throw to make you pay. That's from Brian and Tupelo. And there's a lot There's a lot of truth in that. There's some truth there. And so that, that you know, because I, I tweeted about it during the game. I, I said at the start of the fourth quarter, just give Mike Wright the quarter, see what you got. You're getting blown out anyway. You're not going to win. Just see what you have. And – 
you know, a, a, a lot of fans agreed with that because of course they did at the time. But I do wonder at what point do you try? Because Will Rogers is a better passer than Mike Wright. That is that is undeniable. Wright was a starter in the SEC. He struggled throwing the football consistently. That the worst passer in the SEC a year ago in terms of efficiency. You can't ignore that. He was not good at throwing the football in the SEC one year ago. And he didn't magically get better at it in, in an offseason. It's kind of who he is. But if you are not getting routine passes from your quarterback currently, then what's the difference if you're not getting routine passes completed from the next guy if he's a supreme athlete? I, I do think Mike Wright getting a chance is probably not the worst idea. But I do think there's some people that should stop preemptively deciding that Mike Wright is the second coming of Johnny Unitas also. Right. Right. He did not win the starting job at Vanderbilt last year. A.J. Swan beat him out. Now, he had three of the biggest wins as a starter last year for Vanderbilt because A.J. Swan was hurt. He he played in the the Kentucky game. He played in the... um, the Florida game, both mm-hmm. of those were wins toward the end of the year. And he had the win against Hawaii at the beginning of the season where he, he went bonkers. But he couldn't win the starting job at Vanderbilt. And, and so I don't know that that's the fix-all that some people think maybe it is. But I do understand the idea of could it be any worse? I, I, I don't think that's a terrible thing to try, right? So, first off, there's never been a more polarizing MSU player than Will Rogers. I thought it was Nick Fitzgerald, but like the love-hate relationship with Will Rogers that people have is incredible. Um, and you're right about Mike Wright in that from a passing standpoint, you know, we've seen what he can do and what he can't do. Maybe he has gotten better. That would be a plus. But you're not. You're not. Uh, what am I? What am I trying to say? Like you're not. You're not bringing in Cam Newton here. You know, you're, you're bringing in a guy who who he can maybe be better. And look, he can't be better. He can't. The, the the idea that he can't be worse. He probably can't. Rodgers has been really bad these last couple of games. He was really really bad on Saturday. And if you're going to run plays like State ran, I mean, when you're rolling Will Rogers out, what are you doing? Rodgers isn't going to take off running if the play's not there. And sometimes he's not even fast enough to get to where he can set his feet to ro- out on a rollout. You know? I mean, he ro- he rolled into Harold Perkins one play, and I'm just like, why not just take a knee? If you're going to roll into Harold Perkins with Will Rogers, just take a knee. you got a less chance of getting hurt. So what Mike Wright does give you, though, is some zone read, some option looks. He can probably improve the running game. And... You see what you got there as a pass. If, if you can't pass and you're going to have to run, you better do it with the better running quarterback is, is how I would do that. So uh, we asked, uh, you know, he was asked, Arnett was asked about Will, about Mike Wright today, and basically he was like, we have a package for Mike Wright, but at, at this point the package needs to be, you got to give him some, And the other thing that State does that drives me crazy is he'll play a play and then he comes off. And then he'll play another play in a couple series, and he comes off. You've got to give him a few plays. At this point, you got to see what he does under pressure. you got to see what he does when, when there's a blitz. You have no idea what's going to happen. 
So they've got to find a way in this game, in this upcoming game, to give Mike Wright more snaps. If that's just say, you know, hey, our plan is to give you the third series. Now, if State comes out and goes crazy and they're up 14 nothing, yeah, don't do that. Just stick with Rodgers. I'm sure Mike Wright will understand. But if it's not working out in the first quarter, give the man a series and just see what happens. And if it doesn't work, Will Rogers has to be mature enough, and I think that he is, he has to be mature enough to say for the coaches to go to him and say, we're going to give Mike a chance here just to see if we can get a spark. We might come back to you in the game, but if he starts playing well, he, we might not. And then we'll reevaluate that on, on next week. Rodgers is, is a senior. He should be able to handle that criticism. If he can't, that's a, that's another issue, and, and you got a problem. Evan in Boonville, this was at the beginning of the hour, said if Zach Arnett doesn't work in a couple of years, does Dion come back to Mississippi to coach State? Y'all, y'all stop thinking about Deion Sanders. Just stop thinking about Deion Sanders. Y'all keep trying to make Deion Sanders happen. It's not going to happen. It's like fetch. It's not going to happen. If if all time great quote right there, hey, that, if, gosh, that was Richard has no idea, and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Mean girls. <laughs> if Deion Sanders leaves Colorado, it's to Florida to State, to Alabama, power, Texas. Yeah, yeah. De- Deion, y- y- y'all are acting like Deion is a Mississippi boy. He he coached Jackson State for a couple years, man. He, it's not like I'm coming back home. No. Mississippi State's not going to offer him $10 million a year. It's a Florida boy. Get Deion Sanders out of your head. Yeah, get, get Deion Sanders out of your head. That's never, ever going to happen. Just stop. Um, I, I know it's bad radio. I was just looking to see if there was anything. I, so many of your text messages, we have tried to read all of them. We haven't. Obviously, well, so I, here's one here that, that, that I'll answer. 662 uh, number. Why do you think the, the coaching staff is so hesitant? I mean, it's, there's always hesitancy in changing quarterbacks because nobody changes quarterbacks when things are going good. Nobody's like, hey, we're great, but we could be better, so let's change quarterbacks. It's all about things are going bad. And in this situation, you're talking about a senior who – a few weeks ago, we were saying, yeah, he'll probably easily be the SEC's all-time leading passer by the end of this season. He's won a ton of games. Whether he won them or not, he was the starting quarterback in a win. That's a, It's tough to pull him. I get so, that. So we got a message a second ago that said it was one game, good grief. You, you, That's yeah, the, you, yeah. you were right, but it's a quarter of the season. Mississippi State was very okay against Southeastern Louisiana. Mississippi State was very fortunate against LSU against Arizona. They got skull dragged on Saturday by LSU. They are headed into an extremely difficult place to play on Saturday night against a team that is coming off a road loss where they played pretty darn well, at least for the first 30 minutes. Still kind of played well in the second 30 minutes. Against the back-to-back reigning national champion, who is also in a similar spot on the schedule where they have to have this game. And after that, Alabama comes to town for an 8 o'clock central kickoff time on the last day of September. And then there's a break with Western Michigan. 
And then it's back-to-back road games at Arkansas and at Auburn. Games that Mississippi State could win? Yeah. Should win? Mm, Maybe. Going to win? No idea. And then a Kentucky team that's off to a 3-0 start. And then a road trip to a really talented Texas A&M team that even though they don't have it all together, has shown the ability to score points. And then Southern Miss and then the Egg Bowl. There are one and a half layups on the schedule for the rest of the year. And so, yes, while it was only one game, it's fair to be concerned. Maybe crazy if you're not concerned. And, oh, by the way, this is a Sports Talk radio show the first day we are on the air after the game was played. And so, yeah, we talk about it. We'll be back. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Page to Oxford. Wait, last thing. Last thing on the Mississippi State game. Hey, Dad, I, I listened to. I hadn't had time to listen to all of Thunder and Lightning where you're due. You, you're, you, you entertain me with the, these are the things that are true. Well, thank you. That's the point. Win or loss, it's entertaining. You yeah. have um, You have a particular issue with the uniform combination? Oh, God, the white helmet maroon jersey is awful. That is the Kroom look. Get rid of it. I don't think, like, aesthetically it looks bad. Oh, I think it does. I think it looks terrible. I th- maroon I think helmet, maroon jersey. So, I think you're just so scarred by the Kroom era that anything might that be. ties you to that time. I have PTSD, post-traumatic Sylvester disorder. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> You've used that before, haven't you? You know, I haven't. That's a new one. I I can make you laugh like that on occasion. I very rarely get Borky to crack up, but I got him that time. I I demand a clip. I demand a clip tomorrow of that. All right. That's that's good. That's telling jokes the right way. The the crowd looked really good in Starkville on Saturday also. It was. You know, there was a, a there's there's still some issues with the way that they sell the the, the some of the the tickets they give to the MSU faculty are ending up in visiting team hands. There's a lot of purple and gold in the fifty the forty fifty yard line range, but for a stripe out, especially the west side, that is the visitor side. Okay, where the faculty sits. Yeah, but okay. the student section was packed early. The west side looked very good. I thought the stripe out they did okay. Really? So yeah, you know, but they just didn't give them much to cheer about. Um, Ole Miss beats Georgia Tech 48-23. Speaking of good crowds, for a non-conference game. That looked like a good crowd, and they they, they were all red, too. Yeah, it was um, 64-150 was the announced attendance. I, I mean, I think it's pretty close to accurate. I don't, I don't get why they they're, they tell the crowd to wear red and the team wears navy blue. They're supposed to match? I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. You, you explain. Okay. Here's right. your answer. This coaching staff has decided they're going to do their thing with uniforms. 
and they're going to wear 12 different combinations over the course of 12 games with the uniforms that they've got, uniform, you know, jerseys, helmets, pants, et cetera. Marketing department makes the decision in the summer we're going to make the stadium look a certain way. Those, and it's like never the twins shall meet. So it's like first game is going to be a whiteout. Team's not going to wear white jerseys at home. Second game is going to be wear red. Team goes navy, navy. Uh, game three against LSU, I, I don't know. I mean, most Ole Miss people, I think most Ole Miss people would say that Ole Miss should be wearing red jerseys with gray pants and either navy helmets or powder helmets against LSU. Guess what they're not going to get? Yeah, I agree. That is the that is the uniform that Ole Miss should be wearing when they play LSU. I agree. They'll probably wear the powder blue jerseys. Yep. With the probably white helmets, so. yeah. Right. Probably so. All right, to the game. Uh, so, yeah, great crowd. Um, so, for the second consecutive game, there are a lot of people who have said, ah, that game was a whole lot closer than the final score indicated. And that's true. I don't think this one was. Well, but... but, but Okay, uh, let me explain and then see if we agree or disagree. This game was tight for a while, obviously. It was a one-score game at the half. Ole Miss was up, what, 24-10 to 10 at the end of the third quarter. It was 24-17 early in the fourth quarter. And then Ole Miss pulled away at the end. What if... And I know this is a little hard to wrap your mind around because Ole Miss was so bad in the fourth quarter a year ago. What if this is kind of the rare team that seems to get better as the game goes along and makes big plays down the stretch? Here's the example I use. I tweeted this out last night. Ole Miss has scored 51 fourth quarter points this season. Only seven of those were against Mercer, mind you, uh, on a day where Ole Miss scored, what, 73, I guess. So seven fourth-quarter points against Mercer, 51 through three games. Last year, Ole Miss scored its 51st fourth-quarter point in game number 11. And if you remember what game 11 was, that was the fourth quarter of the Arkansas game where... It was over. And Ole Miss kind of kept playing all its guys and kind of made it look a little different than it actually was. It took 11 games to get to 51 fourth-quarter points a year ago. So what if maybe this team is better as the game goes along and is making adjustments at halftime on both sides of the ball that allow them to take advantage of what they saw in the first 30 minutes of the game? And this is kind of an overly simple answer, but I do think it's the accurate one. I think it's quarterback play. I think that, again, it's it's Mercer, it's Tulane, it's Georgia Tech. Now, Tulane and Georgia Tech are competent. Ask Southern Miss fans how competent Tulane is, especially that defense. They're good. Georgia Tech, though, competent. They might go to a bowl game this year. Haynes King, looked, he looked pretty good. Certainly not bad. yards and rush for another 50 or 75? Ole Miss is only going to play two teams with worse rosters than the one that they just played on Saturday. I mean, the, the, the price of poker is going up. I mean, we're going to find out what Jackson Dart ceiling is starting on Saturday because Alabama, even with their struggles, are not Georgia Tech and Tulane. It's, it's a different animal. But as I said last week, his floor has clearly elevated. And what's impressive playing about, well. about playing these really last well. two games 
is they were weird for different reasons. The Tulane game was weird because his offensive line up front was getting their rear ends whooped for four quarters by Tulane. And yet, he stayed in it, didn't get rattled, didn't get frustrated, What was able still, despite the pressure, to evade pressure and, and deliver, deliver accurate footballs down the field and make plays with his feet. And in this game, Ole Miss only had four offensive possessions in the first half. They ended with a field goal, a touchdown, a wide-open dropped touchdown on a fourth and goal. That should have been one, and a blocked field goal. So offensively, they weren't even really poor in the first half. There was a handful of drops mixed in with the first half, so receivers aren't really helping him. Judkins isn't really healthy. You know, you're missing your tight end. You're missing a wide receiver, your wide receiver, and Georgia Tech kept the ball away from you. It's kind of a weird start to the game. And then what did he do in the second half, despite Dari Noka's plead at halftime to make a change and play Spencer Sanders? Really smart halftime show that that we all got to watch. Um, what did he do? He delivered again, time after time. When, when the game got weird, he stepped up in the what first two drives of the second half, touchdowns, easy. And then it got weird again. Defense gave up two busted coverages that led to touchdowns, and then he threw two of his best deep balls he's ever thrown on back to back possessions and put the game away. The, the the throw to Jordan Watkins that hit him in stride that he took, what, 45 yards for uh, or 68 yards for a touchdown was beautiful. Yeah, it was 50 through the air. I, I, I counted. And it, the, the throw to Wade on the other sideline, though, Wade was covered. Mm-hmm. Wade, Wade was covered, and he just put it in a perfect spot. Jackson Dart has elevated his game, and you can tell that his offense has confidence in him. You can tell that the play callers have confidence in him. And he willed his team to wins in two weird games for different reasons. Is there a quarterback that looks more like they've been in like a three-day war in the trenches after like 12 minutes of football? <laughs> Jackson, he takes his helmet off of it and his face paint that's smeared. He's got like rubber pellets and dirt on his face and his hair's going 14 Did directions. Did you see his neck like, too? Like he took, he took a hit early in the game or something that led to like a scrape on his neck that like made half of it look like it was bruised. I mean, he, he was beaten up on Saturday. All right. So numbers. Jackson Dart, leading rusher, 14 carries for 136 yards, sack adjusted. That's 9.7 per carry. Ulysses Bentley, with uh, he would like to play Georgia Tech every game. He played well against Georgia <laughs> Tech a year ago, got hurt. Yeah, he, he goes six carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. Quinshawn Judkins, 13 carries, 37 yards, had a touchdown. I thought at times you saw some glimpses from him. Um, I don't know if he's as hurt as people are talking about. Something's up there, uh, whether it's – I don't know, but – it's weird about, to say this, but Bentley looked more explosive. Yeah, Judkins is at about 100 yards through three games, give or take. Maybe it's 150, I don't know. Um, Matt Jones got one carry late where he ran away from everybody and carried it in for a touchdown. Dart was 10 of 18 for 251 and a touchdown with no interceptions. Big night for Jordan Watkins. So... Lane Kiffin said in his press conference today that Trey Wallace and Cade Priestcorn were both out there at practice today. His words, they were both out there. Yeah, Harris. Um, uh, Priestcorn's going to play. Yeah. Priestcorn's going to play. I don't. 
it's it seems odd that Kiffin would reveal that hey this guy that got hurt two weeks ago that people thought was going to be out for multiple weeks hey Alabama he's going to play Saturday maybe felt felt odd but um Trigg played they tried to throw it to him twice and he didn't catch either of them should he have caught the ball in the end zone yep absolutely pure uh, just uh, as it was yes. uh, it was slightly yes. behind him but it was a, it was a pure he drop. should make that play yeah Kiffin I was agree pissed. with that. Can you say that? Mississippi oh, yeah. will be I guess take the friggin' wax out of your ears did you hear me this is sports talk this is sports talk Mississippi Woo-hoo! I say sports fans now here's more on super talk Mississippi Well, it was nice on the ceasefire text line. Said they missed me being on the sidelines, and I miss it too. And and I told them, especially with an atmosphere like Saturday night, where I was doing the Rice Texas Southern game. I actually was really curious, hey Dad. So I went back and looked at the box score to see what they announced the attendance was eighteen thousand one hundred three. Peace, brother. If there were more than 7,000 people at that game, I'll give you a dollar for every person that was there. Well, the good news is you can back that up. You've got that money. But you will, you will call baseball games this, this, uh, this spring that have bigger crowds probably. I will call a Tuesday night baseball game. Yes. Likely. Yes. That has a bigger yeah. crowd. That's rough. But hey, hey, chasing the dream, baby, chasing the dream. So, third down defense is something that we got to talk about for Ole Miss. Yeah, because well, just defense in general. I mean, because through three weeks, Ole Miss has been exactly what I expected. Right, they're scoring points, but. Tulane was able to move the football, and Georgia Tech has nearly 500 yards of offense in this game. They did, and the the yards per play average is small. Like they didn't run great, and and King was limited. But you know, as Georgia Tech, we're talking about here, and yeah, Tech was 11 of 20 on 11 third down. of 20 on third down, and, and two of five on fourth down. You got to be better than that. And a lot of those were not third and short either. You. you they had third, medium, third, and long, and were able to convert that. And then the two busted coverages in the second half were were killers because they could have kind of put that game away. And instead, miscommunication led to a long touchdown pass on a fourth down, and then a really long pass that led to a touchdown two plays later in a goal to go situation. They're 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 better defensively than they were a year ago. They're better. I think they're better up front. Uh, they've got more guys that you can depend on to generate push and pass rush. I, I don't know what the plan's going to be for for Milrow uh, it, it, with what they do at linebacker. It, it seems like they've got a, a lot of guys that do some things well. 
Texas spied him a pretty good amount. They've got that freshman linebacker at Texas that they kind of spied Milrow with. You just run Centarian Perkins out there and say, hey, wherever he goes, you go too. I mean, when he plays, he's clearly the, the best athlete on the field. Uh, they clearly don't think that he's got the total grasp of what they're asking linebackers to do. And that's why he did. People ask, well, why didn't he play much? Well, because they think he's going to screw up and, and cost them, and they don't like that, obviously. But yeah, I'm with you. I think in this game, when I mean, even as bad as Alabama is offensively, it's a, it's a step up from what you just played, and you gave up yards, and you gave up 11 third down conversions to Georgia Tech. I mean, that is a thing that 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 happened, and so I wonder if you forget the you know he might blow assignments to have a guy like him on the field to try to limit a running quarterback. You might it might be worth the risk at this point. All right, so total defense is such a misleading statistic because, right, what what really matters? Do you give up points or not? Score, and, and I said, so Ole Miss is uh, 11th in total defense. They're giving up 350 yards a game. Scoring defense, they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 6th. 16.67 points per game. So, Georgia leads the SEC at 8. Kentucky is second at 11. By the way, neither of those teams have... Kentucky hasn't played anybody. Georgia played South Carolina this week. Auburn's at 12.3. That's third. Haven't really played anybody. Cal, eh. Alabama's fourth in scoring defense in the SEC. At 14.6. And that's in games against Middle Tennessee and Texas and South Florida. It's a pretty good number. Uh, When you factor in the fact that they played Texas. I think... Excuse me. I don't think that you're going to see this game look and feel like maybe even last year's game. Definitely not like 2020. Uh, I, I, I think that despite Milrow's athletic ability and Ole Miss's propensity on defense to to give up yards like they did on Saturday, I don't expect Alabama to score a whole lot. And as as Kiffin in two press conferences now has reminded everybody, it's still Alabama. And they've got NFL players at every spot on that defense. Every single spot. So I don't think Ole Miss is going to be scoring a whole lot either. But there is a mystery. There's a mystery this week. Who is actually calling the defense for the Alabama Crimson Tide? Nick Saban had to address that in a press conference today, which I think is exactly what Lane Kiffin wanted to see happen. Could we create create internal strife? Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else on the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. His eyes are cold and restless, his wounds have almost healed. She give half a Texas just to change the way he feels. 
Five o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of nonstop entertainment. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. What? Hey, Dad. You all right? You okay? Right. Sound like you were straining there for a second. You had, you had the right amount of strain, yeah. I, I for some reason, kind of turned my head to the side, and I think it sounded different than when I came back. Oh, I sound like you had a cramp. Jeez. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no cramps. All right, good. Good. I'm glad you're okay. Uh, you can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. If you are going to games this fall, you are noticing more and more and more genteel golf shirts. They're everywhere you look when you go to the ball game, whether it's in Starkville or Oxford or Hattiesburg. Genteel's got you covered with their collegiate collection, genteelapparel.com. You can order those today. They should be in by this weekend if uh, if you get some expedited shipping no issue on that. Somebody asked earlier about the uh, the shirts from the uh, trivia winners. Those should be on their way. If they have not gone out already, they should be on their way this week. I'll check just to be sure. Uh, but you get those that are uh, being distributed as well. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Find out more about them online at genteelapparel.com. Let's do a little college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. The F-150 has you game ready with optional onboard power in the uh, in the tailgate of the truck. Take your tailgate to the next level. You can you can plug in your your lights, your fan, whatever it is that you need. Give yourself your, your satellite dish. Give yourself power at the tailgate. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Let's uh, let's bounce around the SEC. Georgia, South Carolina, 24-14. South Carolina led that game 14 to 3? Is it 14-3 or 14-0? Yes, 14-3. 14-3. And then Georgia blanked South Carolina in the uh, the second half. Uh, got an interception to seal it with just a couple of minutes to uh, to go. Was was the second half of that game our first reminder that oh yeah, Georgia's really good? Defensively, anyway. Yeah. Don't forget, this is a South Carolina team that struggled with Furman and got smoked by North Carolina. I think there are still yeah. some question marks with Georgia as well. And I mean, this South Carolina team is is absolutely beatable. They've got holes a lot of places. This game Saturday with Mississippi State is so 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 interesting. Uh, be- somehow that game. Borky that we talked about all offseason. Oh, it's a huge game for both teams. Huge. It somehow got bigger. It's bigger. It's it's the biggest game of the year for both these teams. I mean, it'll feel like the wheels fall off for for the loser. But yeah, yeah. Rattler, his numbers don't tell the whole story. If you watch that game, you saw how overmatched his team was. He's playing really well. I've been impressed by him this year. He he went from. Um, you know, kind of a laughing stock at Oklahoma. The student body was chanting for his replacement, and um, there there were a lot of uh, not just rumors. There was evidence to suggest that he was a horrible teammate, and in the locker room, didn't like him, and was really underachieving relative to his 
high school stock and all that. And then he goes to South Carolina and seems to have grown up. He's got the C on his chest now. And he's playing really good football. And at no point did I feel like he was rattled. In Athens, it was kind of raining a little. And he's under pressure every play. And yet kind of hung in there and and played well. He's impressive, man. He really is. Which is weird to say after a 10-point loss. But that was my takeaway from that game. Is Rattler has become what everybody thought he would be. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good college quarterback. And, and hey, Ned, you were still kind of down on him even in this offseason, weren't you? Uh, I mean, I, I said of, of the returning quarterbacks, he was the one that I had the least confidence in at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the Tennessee-Florida game. That was crazy. Florida. My loser was going to be Hypel in that dumb timeout. They got three of his players suspended now. Yeah, the uh, the SEC office has been busy on the administrative side over the uh, the last forty eight hours or so. They handed down a hundred thousand dollar fine to uh, Missouri for storming the field, and they handed down suspensions to Florida and Tennessee. What, right, player from both teams, right? Three players from Tennessee. See, I, I saw that email earlier and didn't catch the names. But what? here it is. Three Florida football players and one Tennessee player. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. my, bad, my bad. I got it back. We suspended yeah. for the first half of their next game for flagrant unsportsmanlike actions in the aftermath of the Florida-Tennessee game. Offensive lineman Damian George, offensive lineman Micah Mazkua, and tight end Dante Zanders of Florida suspended for the first half of their game with Charlotte. (laughs) Defensive lineman Omar Norman Lott of Tennessee will be suspended for the first half of the Vols game with UTSA on Saturday. What happened at the end? Florida was running the clock out, was headed to the locker room, and Tennessee called a timeout. Called a, yeah. <sighs> it was a full-on boxing match. I mean, they were like in position, like like squared up, hitting each other in the helmet because that's smart. Really smart. Yeah. This thing that this guy's wearing on his face is designed to withstand hits from a full-speed 300-pound man, but your fist is definitely going to hurt him and definitely not you for sure. Totally. Big win, though, for Florida, right? I mean, you were looking at the stats last night. They they jumped on Tennessee early and decided, you know what? We're good enough on defense to hold on. Just hold on for dear life. And they did, and they did it successfully. Milton's not consistent. But Florida's defense, man, in the second half was just suffocating. I called it bully ball earlier. So... All right, Graham Mertz was 19 of 24. Let's see if I can remember all these numbers. 19 of 24, throwing the football in the game. He threw it seven times on the opening drive, 17 times in the first half, and once in the fourth quarter. 
like with 14 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, he threw the football and then did not throw it again. And Florida just bludgeoned Tennessee on the ground. And you want to talk about domination at the line of scrimmage? Florida's offensive line dominated in that game. And it was crazy because Tennessee got off to a faster start after Florida drives down and um, what did they do? Did they kick a field goal on the opening drive and miss it or had it blocked? Is that what happened on the first drive? Yep. I'm sure. I think that's right. Yeah, had it blocked, You're right. And then Tennessee turned around and scored a touchdown right away. Yeah. Six plays later. Man, it was I, – I don't buy into the whole announcers are cheering for one team or the other. I just – I don't think it's the case. But sometimes announcers go into a game expecting something and they kind of build the storylines around it. Everything that came out of Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit's mouth in the first quarter of that game felt like it was preordained that Tennessee was winning on Saturday night. And then it kind of shifted as the game went along. I don't know. I just thought it was thought it was kind of weird the way that played out. How about Missouri? Speaking of dumb penalties and bad coaching, thirty to twenty-seven, Missouri over Kansas State with a walk-off sixty-one-yard field goal goal from Harrison Mevis sets the all-time record for length of field goal in the SEC, and then Mizzou fans storm the field. Sorry, Greg. That looked like fun, by the way. Forky, the uh, world's biggest advocate for field storming. I am. How much fun did that look? Uh, I mean, uh, that was a big win for Eli, despite every effort of his to lose it. Yeah, and then he was big mad after the game. So Eli Drinkwitz at the podium after it was over, it pissed me off when we booed our starting quarterback to start the game. That bleeped me off. He went out there and played his butt off for this university and this team. They need to get behind him. We need to get behind the young man. You want to boo me? Fine. You're going to boo the starting quarterback? Bull crap. I'll say it again. Should never happen. Should we talk about that when we come back? Because that wasn't the only place that happened. Thanks, Eli. We'll be back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. If you are looking for a Ford vehicle, no matter where in the state of Mississippi or outside the state of Mississippi you live, I'm here to tell you that my friends at Belk Ford will take care of you. Live outside the state of Mississippi and you need the car delivered? Well, figure it out. They'll get it to you. Coming to Oxford for a weekend? No problem. Got a great selection, although the selection is a little smaller. I think you guys have been listening. They're down to uh, a handful of F-150s, but more uh, arriving daily at uh, at Belk Ford. Plus, in the uh, final days of the summer sales event, 
up to $9,000 off certain F-150 models. You can get that at Belkford. They'll help you with the best financing options available as well. Service after the sale, they've got you covered. They will treat you like family. They are a family business, a family dealership, have been for a long time, and will treat you exactly the same way. Not going to force anything on you. They're going to do the best they can to get you into the vehicle you want at the price you want and uh, and take care of you when it's all done, and you'll feel good about it. Belk Ford, BelkFord.net. They are located at Highway 6 West in Oxford. Highway 6 West in Oxford are online at BelkFord.net. And tell them you heard about it on Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, Borky, bookmark what you said before the uh, for the break because so, I want us to come back to that in just a second. Okay, just just yeah. hold that thought just for a second. A and M beats ULM forty seven to three. Auburn beats Sanford forty five to thirteen. Kentucky beats Akron thirty five to three. Vandy drops one to UNLV. Did you see how they lost that? By the way, they tied it up, got the ball back. Yeah, had a field goal. Like inside of a minute left, right? Hey, Dad, and, and missed it badly. Yeah, and then UNLV mm-hmm. went down the field, like like a running play too. I went down the field, kicked a game-winning field goal, won the game. So Vanderbilt mm-hmm. missed a game winner. A few seconds later, Oof. gave up a game winner. Tough way to go. You know who Vanderbilt's kicker is now? Probably somebody else after that. Is it not still Joseph Bolavis? No. Hold on, am I making this up? I am making it up. Never mind. It was the. It was oh, the we kick, just make no, stuff up was, now. It was the kicker for Alabama A and M against Vanderbilt, Owen Daffer. Oh, okay. Who was the kicker at East Carolina that missed the two kicks last year that cost them? Uh, Remember, missed the extra point against NC State. Yeah, then he missed the kick against Navy that would have won it anyway. But oh, we're just making stuff up, you know. I mean, you know. Hey, guys, I'm dating Margot Robbie now. She seems to be always the one that you mentioned. Congrats. When you were telling the lies. She is your go-to lie. That's my. If I had to have a go-to lie, it would be Margot Robbie. How about the BYU-Arkansas game, 38-31? One of the Don't best catches of I've ever seen. Tell me more. The, the touchdown catch The touchdown catch to, uh, to put... BYU ahead for good. That is one of the top catches, like the OBJ catch from a few years ago. One-handed, falling away from the ball, brings it back in. Unbelievable. That's a um, it's a tough loss for Arkansas. They kind of beat BYU up physically a year ago. Uh, Raheem Sanders did not play in this game. It was 14-14 at the end of the first quarter, 24-21 at the half. Tied at 31 going into the fourth quarter, and then uh, BYU scores the only touchdown. Then it was eight minutes left to go up 38-31. Razorbacks tried to drive down the field. They just just couldn't get it going. Arkansas had 177 yards rushing and 247 through the air from K.J. Jefferson. I mean, they, they outgained BYU by a lot. A lot. BYU had 77 yards rushing and 204 passing. I mean, the, the yardage differential was total offense, 424 to 281. Arkansas lost that game. Their stretch, they being Arkansas. Brother? Ooh. Don't get any easier. It could get ugly quick. Coming up next for Arkansas, the, the- LSU in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. Then 
A&M, then at Ole Miss, then at Alabama, then Mississippi State at home, then at Florida, then Auburn at home. They, uh, the the absence of Raheem Sanders and Quinshaw Junkins has been it's a big storyline for me thus far in the SEC. That's two; those were everybody's. I mean, I don't know if they were unanimous or not, but they should have been your first team All SEC running backs, and neither one of them have made any kind of impact thus far. Sanders has played in two games and has less than a hundred yards total, and uh, Judkins has played in all three games and is slightly over 100 yards rushing. That's amazing. He amazing. is not in the top 10 in the SEC in rushing yards. He's not. Yeah. So, um, let's see. This is, oh, it's yards per game. Woody Mark's still leading the SEC at 108 yards rushing per game. Yeah, I mean, he had 75 yards rushing on, on Saturday on only eight carries. Yeah. All right, Borky, I, I said we would come back to this. So Eli ranted uh, about fans booing his quarterback. That's not the only place it happened. Uh, there were very clear boo birds that came out at Mississippi State's offense, and, you know, um, some figured that it was directed at the quarterback, and then there was no doubt left when there was an audible from the student section, at least. We want Mike chant so bring back an old segment that, that we don't do enough of and that's my fault fair or foul booing your own players and chanting for their replacement go it's never really bothered me uncalled for yeah yeah i go fair especially in the nil era now that's i was about to say it. hey dad they're getting paid yeah a lot yeah. a lot yeah the, the the we want the replacement isn't as bad as the booing, but you know I, I, I you know, and these are the students, so I can't make the whole argument that yeah, they paid uh, a ton of money to sit there and blah blah blah. But at the same time, you know, you get mad, you get frustrated. I get it. I thought Arnett Arnett and Wart Rogers were both asked about it post game. I thought they both handled it very well. You know, Arnett said that we don't pay attention to what's being chanted, and, and that's what a coach should say. A lot of Mississippi State fans took that as an insult, which I found really odd. Um, Rogers said the same thing. I'm not worried about it, and, and that's exactly what he should say. But there's frustration, you know. And this this is this is not your typical the be- the best player on the team is the backup quarterback, and that'll change. With Mike Wright, I know that you 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 know we talked about what he is as a passer, but we've seen this guy win games in the SEC. We've seen him do it. This is not normally normally back in the old days. When then I mean the old days like five years ago, you know you're talking about your backup quarterback. You're talking about an unproven commodity, some hot shot four star kid that hey let's give him a try here. This is a guy who's won games in the SEC. So it's not the same. It's not the same calling for the backup quarterback that you've had in years past. What do you make of this text message? This is from Sue in Greenwood. I don't think Ole Miss is a top 20 or 25 team. They have won with a few big plays and have not been able to stop anyone's running game. They need to get better on defense and pick up the running game. I I mean, 
With all due respect, Georgia Tech averaged three and a half per carry, and Tulane averaged two and a half per carry. The defense I, gave up three but, points in the second half I against mean, Tulane. But well, I mean, you play two halves. You, you, I wouldn't go that way. But in total game, what I would three say and is, per carry, but, two but, and but, half but if you carry. say we're okay, if you say you play two halves, you got to count the entire game. Then yeah. well, they've won with a few big plays. They dominated the final fifteen minutes of every game. What, they played. what I would say is. Through three weeks of the college football season, Ole Miss is certainly playing like one of the top 25 teams in the country. There's no question about that in my mind. But when we get to the end of the season, will they still be a top 25 team? I don't think so. The same way that when we got to the end of the season last year, they weren't. I get that that's the opinion that you've had, like kind of going into the year and and all the way mm-hmm. all the way through, and you're kind of uh, un- until you really see something definitively one way or the other, you're not going to change that. Right, I, I don't see it, man. I I, I don't see. The, I, I see. I see a team trust. that gave up nearly 500 yards of offense to Georgia Tech. That's a got a pretty. Decent they mean they blocked a field goal. A pretty decent team. That's a pretty mid-tier ACC team. They're playing Alabama this weekend. Let me but see what they see do the in that game. The rest of Miss's schedule, okay, yeah, Alabama's really tough. LSU is really tough. You got Georgia on there. Georgia really is really tough. Yeah, yes, then, but they also play Arkansas and Auburn and Vanderbilt and an average Texas A&M team and ULM and a very average Mississippi State team. Yeah, they played those games last year, and they lost to Arkansas, and they lost to Mississippi State. So let's see what they do. You, you don't look at this think, team and think they're better than they were last year? No. Offensively, they might be better, but Judkins not doing anything scares me. Yeah, but you also thought Mississippi State wasn't going to miss a beat going into this year with a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator and losing their two best receivers. I I had State two and one at this point. Show me where I'm wrong. You had them eight and four, and you've watched them play every snap so far this year. Okay, let's go to the junction in the Grove and to the top. Start yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm going to read you a quote. You tell me who said it. I'll tell you another thing, Cross. No, go ahead. Most of you will enjoy this football season with moderation while having lots of fun and entertainment. The fantasy leagues will provide banter amongst friends and money won or lost betting won't affect you. I won't be betting this year because I crossed the line of moderation and into addiction, which isn't any fun at all. The money wasn't ever the issue since our financial security has never been threatened. Flex. But I was so distracted I wasn't able to be present with the ones I love and caused a lot of harm. This lack of presence has been so hurtful. Who said it? I know. So I'm well, I know who said it because I, I, I read Twitter, so I know. Phil Mickelson. <sighs> How about this? So I have, I gotta get, I gotta, I want to get y'all's thought. I'm gonna bring a rumblings question here to this show. Yeah. Let's see if I can find it here. 
The Rumblings, a feature on the Thunder and Lightning podcast hosted by Brian Haydad. It's also a radio show that airs from 6 until 7 on Super Talk Mississippi on Monday nights. If Mississippi State is your thing, Haydad should be your thing in podcasts. If Ole Miss is your thing, Michael Borky should be your thing in podcasts with the Rebel Report, available wherever you get your podcasts for free. All right, here's the question. comes to uh, from one of our loyal listeners, Dalton Lee. My father-in-law is in a fantasy football league with Mark Keenum and other staffers. Unfortunately, there is no punishment for last place. What would be a great but non-incriminating punishment for the president of our university? Now, I know what I'm going to go ahead and answer this. I, I know what I'm going to say is my answer. The, uh... He should have to do a rumblings podcast with me. And answer whatever questions come across. That's a good one, but that's also like for your benefit. I would love to hear Keenum's thoughts on what is on how peanut butter jelly sandwiches should be made. Personally, I saw a video earlier of a guy that finished last in his fantasy, and so he had to play a round of golf wearing a dress, and he hit a hole in one. <laughs> they're, they're filming him. I have another... He got a dress on playing golf, and he hits a hole in one when they're filming him. I have another one too. So, you, you guys know Dr. Keenum. That is a very well-dressed man, perfectly coiffed at all times, very prim and proper. He has to, like, do an address in complete – I mean, when I say casual clothes, I want him in a T-shirt and jeans, and his hair needs to be all messed up. Overall. No explanation. He, Yeah, no, not overalls. We're not going for stereotypes here, Richard. Just casual clothes and hair not perfectly combed. And, and you can't give explanation. Somebody's like, why are you dressed like you can't no explanation? I'd like to see him in a Canadian we're, tuxedo. We're, we're... <laughs> what, what do you what do you want to bet that the uh if, if he has jeans, they have creases mm-hmm. in them. They're blue delta. They're blue no, delta. No, no. And no, they, no, no, yeah. no, that they are creased and starched. They're, they're per- well he's gotta I he he I, he gotta let me pick out the and we're gonna put a pair of good old Wranglers on him. And just get out there and like a graphic T-shirt that just says ACDC or something. I said, do you think he owns a T-shirt that's not like an undershirt? But if I had to bet the over-under of T-shirts owned by Mark Keenum, I would set the number at two and a half, and I'd probably take the under. I can't picture Mark Keenum in a T-shirt, in like a T-shirt like I wear. I mean, like. Surely, if he goes to the beach with his family or something like that, he's got a couple of t-shirts that he can throw in. With some... Nah, man, Hawaiian shirts. Hey, he's just white linen. Yeah. Hawaiian. He's, he's 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 got tropical or the white linen shirts or something like that. Tucked into his swimsuit. So, I don't know about that. I don't think go that far. So, so I, mean, I told you a couple I, I, I'm years gonna ago. I'm going to think of some more answers. I, I told you a couple of years yeah. ago that um, one of the most successful women that I know um, mm-hmm. plays in a fantasy football league. And she's okay. incredibly competitive. And I yeah. think she's the only female in their league. And the loser yeah. of the league has to, on the trailer hitch of their vehicle, drive around <laughs> with the oversized brass... Cajones. Cajones. Yeah. yeah. She lost. She finished last one year. No. <laughs> and they, she said, I will not do that. And they got to go. They, they affixed them to her vehicle. <laughs> she like took it to an automobile shop and had them welded off. Gosh. 
I play in a league right now with two with two uh, two ladies. One of who is beating me up and down the field this week. I started two healthy inactives this week. Two. What do you have, Cam Akers? Cam Akers and Dante Foreman. Just healthy scratches. Great. Super. Fantastic. Please, Alvin Kamara, come back from suspension. Uh, Two more games? One more week. One more week. Right, then this week is over, so Next. one more week. So Lane Kiffin told reporters today that he was not attempting to make waves when he said on Sunday on a Zoom conference that it appeared that defensive backs coach Traveris Robinson, T-Rob, had taken over play-calling duties at Alabama uh, after Alabama's lost to Texas, something that Nick Saban had not publicly announced. Kiffin says said this in his media conference today. I was asked the question, what's it like going against Steele's defense? I wasn't trying to start this big thing. We saw things on TV copy just where it was different, first off, of what the play looked like, the calls and stuff. And so we looked into that further. And then it ain't no secret that people in these buildings know each other, so we obviously got some information that way, too. That's the real... That's the, the money quote right there that people aren't focused enough on. Un- unprompted, Alabama coach Nick Saban refuted that suggestion during his Monday news conference. On this other thing I hear floating around out there, I'm sure you've seen the same reports that I've seen, is that Kevin Steele is the defensive coordinator. He has all the defensive coordinator responsibilities. The only thing that we tried to improve from an administrative standpoint was game day administration of getting the signals in quicker. Right? So that was the only thing we worked on as a staff, and the whole staff made a contribution to it, and I think it was a lot better in this game against USF than it was in the Texas game. All right. Which, that's funny. Like the, the the fact that Lane essentially made Nick because people are well, why would he reveal that if they knew guys? Because he was messing with Nick, and it's it's not going to impact the game at all, at all. But Nick Saban had to deal with that today, and that's funny. But he he put an additional thing in Nick Saban's mind that had to be dealt with this week. Yes, it, it's yes. funny. But the money part correct. of that yes. is him saying we've got your, your staff's talking to us. We got guys in your building that are talking to us, Nick. Saban didn't address that in the press conference today, but Lane said, whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. And it's probably true, honestly. <laughs> Let me read that part of the quote to you. And then it ain't no secret that people in these buildings know each other, so we obviously got some information that way, too. He's saying, hey, Nick, Pete <laughs> talked to some of your guys and got some inside. How about that? I mean, and nobody, like all of the the... The, the news cycle that this created, nobody talked about that. That Lane Kiffin said, hey, Nick, you've got moles. You've got moles in your office, and they're talking to us, buddy. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Who does the familiarity benefit more? Does Pete Golding's familiarity with the Alabama roster benefit Ole Miss more than Alabama's familiarity with Pete Golding and what he wants to and likes to do? Who... who who benefits from that relationship more? It's one of those things that we make up to talk about on the radio that has very little bearing on the outcome of the game. You, you don't think yeah. Alabama knowing what 
Pete's tendencies and and everything. You you don't think that that benefits them at all, and and you don't yeah, think that Pete Golding same, having yeah. an intimate understanding of their roster doesn't no, no. It, doesn't you, help. You said he said, "Who does it benefit more?" I feel. I feel like it's it's kind of a, a standoff there. They, they both know each other's tendencies. It's like I know that you know, and you know that I know, and I know that you know that. I, it's you see where I'm going. It, it, it's there's no real advantage to be had. If there is an advantage, I mean, well, there isn't one because you know, here, like Lane Kevin said, he's worked with Kevin Steele before. Here's the more important. So they know each other. Is Alabama using the same offensive signals to send plays in that it was using when Pete Golding was on staff at Alabama? No. Is Ole Miss using the defensive signals that Alabama was using under Pete Golding to send in plays while Pete Golding was on staff at Alabama? That was a really quick no. But we've had a uh, stealing signs gate before in an Ole Miss-Alabama game. We have. true. Binoculars. And you know whose fault that was, though? Not the guy holding the binoculars. Two Freeze's fault. Yeah. 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 You could steal Jolie Dunn's signs all you want. He never changed them. Remember the time Houston Nutt had signs that had the players' initials that were supposed to get the football? Remember that? (laughs) Like the play call was BB34. What does that mean? Brandon Brandon. Bolden, 34 power? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that happened. That is a real thing that yeah. happened. No hyperbole. They thought they were being cute because they put 34 because it was his number. <laughs> They're just going to think that's his jersey number, not the play we're running. Yeah. Ah, we got them. <sighs> Can't believe he only won two games. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We said last week with Luke and talking amongst ourselves, and we'll visit with Luke tomorrow, hopefully, that Saturday's game against Tulane was a little bit of a how's the rest of the season going to look game for Southern Miss. For the sake of the Golden Eagles, let's hope that that's not the case, that that was not a barometer of the rest of the season. Um, Tulane beat Southern Miss 21-3. to Southern Miss now 2-1 and on the year. Billy Wiles was 19 of 33 for 177 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked three times. Uh, Rodriguez Clark had five carries for 17 yards. Frank Gore Jr. had 13 carries for 16 yards. And I think kind of hobbled off the field at one point. I, I saw that Will Hall said earlier today that he looked fine in practice today. Um, Tulane scored early in the ball game. I think the uh, I think it was their opening drive. They got a touchdown run from uh, their quarterback Kai Horton. They scored again with ten minutes to go in the third quarter. Southern Miss got a field goal with five and a half minutes left in the third, and then Tulane scored one more touchdown with two minutes left in the third quarter, and that was it. 
defensively, Southern Miss was not bad. But offensively, it was a struggle. They could do nothing on the ground and very little of consequence through the air. This was a tough one on Saturday for Southern Miss. Really tough. Yeah. Um, and, and look, Tulane's good. It's a good football team. However, yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the offense has had built-in excuses the last couple of years with injuries at quarterback. That wasn't the case on Saturday. It was not. And, you know, it probably reserved for, for more time later in the week, but there's a chicken or the egg thing. You know, I said going into the game, Will Hall's got to be sick of asking for crowds. The crowd is horrible, for being honest, awful. But also, the people that didn't go can point to the result of the game as justification. The crowd no-showed, but the team no-showed. I mean, w- would you want to pay to watch what was on the field on Saturday? Probably not. So, yeah. you know, you, you can talk that conversation into circles. Either way, it's both true. Team wasn't good enough. And if you're going to compete in the Sun Belt and win in the Sun Belt, it's got to be supported better than that. Yeah, and I think – I'm not trying to oversimplify here, but, but when you look at numbers like those, especially in the run game, it tells me there's a line of scrimmage problem. That, that Southern Miss is not getting what they need – from their offensive line. If you can't run the ball, quarterback gets sacked three times, and you're not super effective throwing the football, then that says to me there's an issue up front. That's hard to fix. It's really hard to fix. We'll talk more about Southern Miss tomorrow with uh, Luke when he joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. I will, uh, I will be there tomorrow night for soccer and flag football practice. There's a ton going on, a ton going on on the weekends, too, with baseball tournaments, fast-pitch tournaments, and soccer tournaments. You can find the full schedule of events at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Monday night football doubleheader tonight. Let's go. I'm nervous. Got to get home. Got to get home. With the start times staggered by only an hour. This is not your typical East Coast, West Coast Monday night football doubleheader. Saints are at Carolina with a a 6.15 kick. Cleveland is at Pittsburgh with a 7.15 kick. Saints games on ESPN and on ESPN2. And then you've got the uh, Cleveland-Pittsburgh game on ABC. Saints, how big a favorite of the Saints tonight? Oh, let's see, let's see. The Saints are a three-point favorite in this game. Bryce Young making his second career start. And uh, Derek Carr, obviously a veteran, coming off a 305-yard performance with a touchdown and a pick in the season opener. Saints getting it done, hey, Dad? Yes. Though you I feel did like just their defensive nervous, line will... Right? No, Borky said he was nervous. Oh, it was Borky that said he was nervous. I say... That... I say the Saints' defensive line will dominate this Carolina offensive line and, and keep pressure on Bryce Young the whole night. Dwayne says, what game will we get tonight? You'll get both of them, Dwayne. you got the Saints on ESPN uh, against the Panthers, and you've got on ABC an hour later Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So both games, you can decide which one is better and decide where We're to Back on ABC. I like that. I like that. Reminds me of the oh, old days. Oh, this is Howard Coast South. 
new Monday Night Football theme song debuting tonight. Now you've lost me. Don't care. Chris Stapleton and Snoop Dogg with a remix of I mean, Phil Collins in the air tonight? Eh, we'll see. I don't know. I watched the preview of it online. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's not exactly Hank Jr. Are you ready for some football? I thought it was pretty good. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll be back at it tomorrow just after 3 o'clock. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.